Okay, so it's, I'm glad to have uh, Colin and Brenna back. Um, I ran into uh, Brenna at HEB, and um, she said, Jeff. And I said, oh, hey, Brenna. And she said, <laughs> it's just still, it gives me the willies. She says, have you talked to Colin yet? And I said, no. So she said, well, I said, what happened? And she said, well, on vacation. And after I heard this incident, I told Colin when he got back, I said, uh, dude, you need to never go on a vacation. It's just not good for you to go on a vacation. She said, I woke up with a bat on my face. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll leave it to them to tell the rest of the story. But let's say you're, how many shots are you into the rabies shots now? Four deep. Waco doesn't have a rabies shot in the whole town. I mean, what is up with that? Do we not have dogs and coons anymore? I mean, what's the deal? So they had to go to Dallas. First they had to do it in, in uh, Colorado, which is another story. And then they had to go uh, to Dallas this weekend and have to go one more time, right, to get a shot. So anyhow, it's quite a quite an adventure. Um, I told when I I was I had that it's almost like it's one of those stories that you can't help but laugh, but you can't help but be like, oh my word, you know. And uh, I told Nancy, and I thought she was going to have a heart attack on the phone. She started gasping for air and just could not even put herself, couldn't even try to visualize that whole thing that just happened to y'all. Crazy. All right. Um, Turn on your electronic devices, Luke chapter 10. Open your Bible. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you. Um, here's how we're going to begin. When Nancy and I dropped Cal off at college, Cal is our firstborn son. Uh, literally, literally, his young life uh, flashed before my eyes. And I absolutely mean this that happened. All of a sudden, in like the span of while we were saying goodbye to him for the last time, for of this chapter of our life with him, all of a sudden I saw him being rushed in, out of the delivery room right after he was born and the nurse, and the nurse yelling to him, breathe, baby, breathe. Nancy never got to hold her firstborn child in the hospital. He was rushed out because he wasn't breathing. Uh, I saw him. Uh, begging me. I mean, this is all flashing. Like, I saw him begging me to watch Monday Night Football as a four-year-old. That he's like, can I stay up, Daddy, and watch Monday Night Football with you as a four-year-old? And of course I said, no. <laughs> I'm like, I have a four-year-old that wants to watch Monday Night Football with me? I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was the Dallas Cowboys, which is a big disappointment. But besides the fact I saw him coming down the stairs with tears in his eyes because he just read that Dumbledore died. Remember that? Gosh. I saw a spoiler. If you haven't read, if you haven't read Harry Potter, I mean, come on. Oh, the kids. Oh. He resurrects from the dead. Jesus shows up. Dumbledore is just fine, children. Just fine. Oh, my word, I wasn't. Yeah, I should have passed that one by Nancy before I did that. Let's move on. I remembered him taking communion for the first time. I saw him 
running like the wind over the 300 hurdles. I remember our, um, I remember after his last football game, after the team that was picked last in the district, remember coach? Picked last in the district, goes one of the furthest distances in the state playoffs in Lorena. Goes four deep. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Love those kind of stories, right? And I'll never forget hugging and him looking at me and saying, Dad, I never thought it would go this fast. I mean, good things flash before my eyes. Some scary things too, right? Like right when he was born. But also some bad things, right? Uh, as I told some new friends this week that, that I made, um, there was a parenting phenomenon in our day called growing kids God's way. Yeah, I'm glad you say that. I'm glad you feel that. Um, I don't, honestly, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know what I'd do if the author of that book walked through this door. <laughs> let's just say, let's just pray either it never happens or it never happens. Um, it's moralistic parenting that poured gasoline on my already moralistic parent heart. Horrible. But here's the deal. As we were driving home, we got in the car and we're driving home and tears were just falling like little babies, tears running down our faces. Everything got really crystal clear to me. Parenting absolutely made sense. The aim and the goal to parenting was crystal clear I said, I, I see, <laughs> I see. And I turned to Nancy and I said, honey, I now know what the call is as a parent. I now know what it is. And she just looked at me. It's to love them. It's to just love them. That's it. To just love God, to just love your spouse, to just love your child, to just love each other, to just love your neighbor. That's it. What is the largest single contributor to ruining your personal world, your relational world, the church world, and the world world? What's the largest single contributor that ruins everything? Answer? Not loving well. We don't love well. We don't love well. Now, here's the deal. Knowing that is the hidden key that unlocks this passage we're about to look at. If you don't have that hidden key, if you don't know this, if you don't take this into your soul, if you don't say, 
I don't love well. If that doesn't go deep into your bones, then the text we're about to look at will stay shut to you. As Luther says, it'll be an absolutely closed book. The Bible will be a closed book if you don't know this, if you don't experience this, if you don't feel deep in your bones, I don't love well. So, I'm going to ask you right now to pull out that hidden key. Pull it out. Got it? I don't love well. Have that key? I don't love well. Do you have it? I don't love well. Now let's stand and let's unlock this text. Okay, so here we go. And behold, anytime the scriptures say behold, it's, it's an ancient Hebrew way of saying pay attention. <laughs> right? And pay attention. A lawyer. Who's a lawyer? He's an expert in the law, which means he's an expert in the law of God. He knows the law of God better than you do. Guarantee it. If he walked into this room, he would know the law better than you do. Stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, Jesus says, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, Jesus says, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, he said. He said, the one who showed him mercy, the expert in the law. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. I know, I know my weekend. I know a lot of people's weekends. Absolutely exhausted. So, Lord, demonstrate the surpassing greatness of your power coming from you. For all of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, do you have that hidden key? That hidden key, which is we don't love well. You don't love well. Have that hidden key. Okay, got it? All right, this is a pretty famous passage, right? I mean... I'm just saying, Christians have been challenged by this passage for centuries. It leads social justice movements. It leads moments for 
great change in churches and friendships and marriages and parenting. So here's the key. Which one are you? So what is it? Which one are you? Are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Or are you the Samaritan? Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the dad who loves their child or the dad who doesn't? Do you want to be the wife who loves her husband or the wife who doesn't? Do you want to be the Christian who loves justice or the Christian who doesn't? Do you want to be the human being who loves their neighbor or the loser who doesn't? Which one are you? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, Jesus asked? And he, the law expert, said, the one who showed him mercy, of course. And Jesus said to him, you. It's interesting, the... The you is at the front of the sentence in the original language, and then the imperatives come after. You, go and do likewise. So are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Or are you the Samaritan? Do you want to be the Samaritan? Which one are you? I'm trying to be the Samaritan, you say. Jeff. I'm trying, man, I'm trying, I'm trying in my marriage, I'm trying with my sister, I'm trying with my child, I'm trying with my parent, I'm trying with my teacher, I'm trying with the political party, I'm trying with all the cultural chaos, I'm trying with my enemies. I'm trying. So is the expert in the law. Look at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's it. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Don't miss this. Do this, and you will live. The whole Bible teaches from Genesis to Abraham, and Abraham to Moses, and Moses to David, and David to Jesus, and Jesus to Paul. If you do God's law, you will live. If you do God's law, you will connect with God. If you do God's law, you will connect with each other. If you do God's law, you will connect with yourself, you'll be psychologically, mentally healthy. If you do God's law, you will connect with the world and interact with the world in deep connection. In other words, the Bible uses this word, you will be blessed. Jesus is saying that the law is saying if you love well, if you love God well, if you love your neighbor well, then you will inherit eternal life. In other words, you will do eternal life. You will accomplish eternal life. You will attain eternal life. You will work 
eternal life. You will obtain eternal life. It's yours. The big theological word that's introduced in verse 29 explains this whole attaining eternal life thing. It explains it in one of these big theological words that Paul really loves called justification. So if you love well, then you will be justified. In other words, if you love God well and love others well, love your neighbor well, you'll be savable. You'll be acceptable. You'll be perfect. You'll finally and fully be yourself. You'll be a human being, an image bearer. You'll be qualified. To be justified also means there's no guilt in you. Any, there's no guilt. There's no spot. There's no blame. Uh, there's no unloveliness. There's no sin. There's no condemnation. There's no accusation. There's no wrath. There's no death. There's no dark powers. I'm trying to be a Samaritan, you say. Do you have that hidden key? I don't love well. I don't love well. I don't love well. Well, Jesus has the key, and he unlocks the text with it. Look at verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Do you see it? Do you see what's happening here? It's brilliant. It's breathtaking. It's stunning. It's revolutionary. It's life-changing. It turns this passage completely upside down. In other words, the desire to justify himself is why Jesus tells the story. Jesus is addressing the desire. You know what that is? This, it's this need. It's this obsession. This empty, endless longing to justify ourselves. In other words, to never believe we don't love well. to do anything we can to, to think well of ourselves, to think a certain way about ourselves, that it's absolutely too traumatic to not think well of yourself, to not live up to an image of yourself, whatever it is. But in this text, he thinks he loves well. The desire to justify ourselves is why we need this story. This means this story is not trying to squeeze more love and justice out of you. Which one are you? This means the point of this story is to choke off the desire to justify yourself, to choke off any desire to not see the truth about yourself, to choke off any attempt to not see you don't love well. 
So it's interesting. The real problem of this text is not that you don't love well. The real problem of this text is you don't know that you don't love well. That's unbelievable. Who designs an interaction with a human being based on that? It's a hidden key in the text. But we don't even know about this hidden key, so this text stays locked to us. We skim around on the surface and read around the surface and say stupid things like, which one am I? Am I the Levite? Am I the priest? No, I'm the Samaritan. I was this morning, I know when I looked at my child, I gave him a loving look. But the dude that I flipped off on the way to work, Which one are you? <laughs> the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan. Jesus says, you're the dying dude in the ditch. You're the dying dude in the ditch. Jesus replied, this is his reply to the desire to justify yourself. To the desire to never come to the freeing recognition and awareness that you don't love well. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Jerusalem is 25 feet, 2,500 feet above the Mediterranean Sea, so sea level. Jericho is 825 feet below the Mediterranean Sea below sea level. What's happening is, is that this whole journey is a downhill journey. There's not one step in this journey that's elevated. There's not one step in this journey that is upward. This is a downward journey. So this is a story not about which one are you and which one do you want to be. This is a story about being downward. This is a story about a ditch. This is a story about needing rescue. This is a story about choking off the desire to justify yourself and see that you need to be justified. In other words, we're not the priest who fails to love from time to time, and we're not the Levite who fails to love from time to time, and we're not the Samaritan who does love from time to time. We're the dying dude in the ditch. We're the one that doesn't love well. We're the one that needs justification. We're the one that needs to be rescued. Know this. Take this right now into your soul. I don't love well. This is why we confess our sins every Sunday. I mean, this is why... There are certain liturgical practices that should always be in a church and never leave a church. Confessing sins is one of them. 
Confessing sin is knowing that you don't love well. Confessing sin is knowing that you're a dying dude in a ditch. It's knowing that you need rescue. It's knowing that you, and taking into your soul, I need justification. Confessing, confessing sin says, I need to be justified. I need rescue. I'm the dude in the ditch. I need Jesus. And contrary to popular opinion today of mental health experts, being able to confess that you don't love well is mentally emotionally, relationally, spiritually healthy. Absolutely healthy. And not knowing this is mentally being devastated. It's mental illness. It's emotional illness. It's spiritual illness. So which one are you? Are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Or are you the Samaritan? Answer, I'm the dying dude in the ditch. Now by chance. This is so interesting. Look at verse 31. Now by chance. So what's chance? What's chance? Luck. Luck. Right? Now by chance. Luck. A priest. Does it say in the original language or even in your English translation, the priest? No, it says a priest. So it's an indefinite article. So what does that mean? This is not a solid person. This is a nobody. This is a not a, it's not a definite anything. It's anathema. So it's no one of substance. There's no definite article. It could be any old priest. Was going down the road, and when he saw, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, meaning what? By chance, by luck. A Levite, a Levite, any old Levite, not a Levite of any substance, not a Levite, the Levite, not any definite article, surely, no one of substance. He also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Now, this is where our English translations drive me crazy. I'm going to give you the literal translation. The literal translation, but a certain Samaritan, a somebody. A solid someone, a certain one. As he journeyed, came to where he was. Again, I'm going to give you the literal. It's a little better. It's wooden, but it's a little better. But a certain Samaritan who was, it's a participle, meaning it's describing who he is. But a certain Samaritan who is on a journey. He's on a journey. He's on a downward journey. He is intentionally going down. A certain outcast. Don't miss this. And when this certain Samaritan outcast who's on a downward journey sees him. His guts churn with mercy for him. And God being rich in mercy 
when Jesus sees you in the ditch, when Jesus sees you in the ditch, his guts moves towards you. So change your view of God right now. It's time. Some of you have been sitting here for the past four weeks and you're still holding on to it defiantly, not willing to let it go. It's time to leave the kiddie pool and swim in the deep end. It's time to change your view of God. You think the ditch keeps you from God. The ditch moves God toward you. The ditch is where Jesus rescues you. The ditch is where Jesus justifies you. The ditch is where Jesus goes to unloving people and says, my wounds will heal you. My perfectly loving God record and my perfectly loving other record, I give to you. I justify you. I make you acceptable. I make you perfect. I make you clean. I make you pure. I make you spotless. I make you blameless. I put accusation as far as the east is to the west. Paul says there is now no condemnation. There's no wrath. There's no death. I'm the outcast who's on a downward journey to give you mercy. But he, desiring to justify himself, what, what does that mean? Well, now we know a little bit more because we have our key. He's basically saying in his heart and in his mind, an impenetrable fortress, I am loving I do love God. I do love others. I love well. So who's my neighbor so I can do it? But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? <laughs> and the whole thing just completely turns right here because Jesus says, I am. I'm your neighbor. There's only one neighbor in all the world, in all human history, in any religion, in any belief system, in any philosophy, in any empire. Me, Jesus said. I'm the outcast. I'm the Samaritan. I'm the neighbor. So which one are you? Are you the priest? Are you the Levite? Are you the Samaritan? You're the dying dude in the ditch. You're the one Jesus moves towards. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, Jesus said? And the expert in the law said, well, the one who showed mercy, of course. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. 
Such an interesting ending, isn't it? You know, when you know that you're a dying dude in the ditch and that Jesus' guts moves towards you in mercy, you know what happens? You actually have mercy on other dying dudes in the ditch. You know what this text is saying? You can't love well. You can't even make a beginning in loving well until you take into your soul that you don't love well. Because if you think you love well, you are ruining everything you touch. Take it from an expert. So Jesus says, you go and do likewise, because only those that know they're the dying dude in the ditch and know that Jesus came to rescue them actually goes and does likewise.